So, Frank, we'll start with a bit of introduction of yourself. Thank you. I run this knowledge series uh, mainly as a, you know, not a very formal conversation, but just to share experiences of industry experts uh, and practitioners of what they're seeing in cyber. I think cyber is in everyone's mind nowadays. So uh, that's the whole uh, thing. So we'll start with a little bit of introduction, but I would love if you can tell us a little bit of history of your experience uh, being in the armed forces. I saw you you spent 23 years. So so yeah. I'll hand over to you and if you could do a quick intro and give us a little bit of insight of oh, what's what happens on on that side of the trends, that will be very yeah. interesting to our audience. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, so like, like I said a little earlier ago, I grew up in New York, born and raised in New York. Um, you know, lived there until I joined the Air Force when I was 21. Uh, you know, I was one of those guys who I, I didn't join straight out of high school. I didn't join straight out of college. I was kind of in between uh, when I decided to join. And, you know, my initial my initial thoughts were to do, you know, four years and, and kind of, you know, that's it. I, I can't do any more. Um, but, you know, I joined and, and I and I enjoyed myself a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, it was a, it was a great time. You know, 23 years of doing anything. Uh, 23 years in armed forces is, is a, you know, it's almost, it felt like double that some days. Um, yeah, but it was great. And and I had an opportunity to travel the world. I never, I never got a chance to go to Australia or I've never been to Australia. Uh, just a quick side story. One of, one of the places that I was stationed when I was young was, um, Korea. I was in South Korea and I was a very young man. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't what I would call a very smart guy. And so I say that because I had an opportunity. So when you're on an air force base or any, any military installation, oftentimes there is a, there is a, a group of people who their, their, their sole job for the military members is, is to do things like plan trips and, uh, do activities and all that kind of Right. So I'm in South Korea. I was young, single, didn't know any better. And I had opportunity for 700 bucks to fly from South Korea, spend uh, a long weekend in Australia. And that price for $700, that would have included the airfare and the hotel. All I would have needed was to come up with extra mo money for food. And so, you know, I wasn't making very much money back then. And I thought, hey, $700, that's, that's quite a bit of money. That's, that's quite a bit of beer that I cannot drink if I go. So I didn't go, you know, so fast forward to my age now. And I'm like, I was, I was halfway there and I'll never, I'll never get to Australia for $700. Right. Never, ever. So it's still definitely on my, um, but, but while I was in the air force, you know, I, again, I did a lot of things I started out in logistics, did that for a little while. And then I made the switch into what we called back then information assurance. It's, it's turned into cybersecurity. Um, but, but that really began my journey. I didn't really know anything about it when I joined the military. Um, you know, I was kind of new to it. And, and another great thing about the military is they don't really care about your past experiences because they're going to, you know, train you from, from head to toe. Um, and so I went through a series of classes and, and continuing education. Uh, I eventually got my degree, uh, in, in information systems and, and it kind of just took off from there. And so I did that for about 18 of my 23 years. Um, and it was a great, you know, I, I love being in cybersecurity. I love the challenge of it. Uh, I love the differences that, that happen every day. And so, you know, I eventually, I, like I said, the 23 years and I, and I retired 
Uh, and we say retired from the military, but obviously I'm still working. Um, but but I, I I continue to do it. So I've retired in 2018. It's about five years now, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I'm and I'm still in the cybersecurity space. So so I mean, there you know that that either means I'm 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 smart for doing it that long, or I just have no idea. Uh, there are other things to do in, in life. Now, there's a lot of people from the armed forces and the police forces, local police forces, who've, who've had experience in, in fraud and crime and have moved into cyber crime and cyber fraud and online fraud and moved out of that into the commercial world. And they bring a lot of wealth of experience, right? Because what you see on that side of the fence is, is very rare. And that's I think that's gold what you have in place and i think what sparked my interest in, in having you on our knowledge safety this last time when you and i were speaking you know we spoke about things like you know how businesses struggle to define risk right you know mm. uh, and and this morning too we were having this conversation that you know oh there's been so many breaches in australia you know businesses may be spending millions of dollars in cyber security well a few businesses are, but it's still not, you know, come home to many organizations, right? right. I think that sparked my sparked my interest in having you on this. Uh, so, so essentially, what I would like to, you know, for you to share. Obviously, nothing, uh, no, no, no intellectual property or any such thing. You know, we're talking in general about, you know, businesses and looking at risk, but. A lot of businesses are good at looking at business risk, but cyber risk is also a business risk. And yeah. you know, how do you quantify what's been your experience? Can you can you share, uh, you know, the challenges you have seen in the last five years being in the corporate world and the twenty three years of you know experience, being seeing things from that side of the fence, and then and let's start the conversation around around the whole cyber risk and you know what it means to business and uh, how are you dealing. Yeah, you know that's and that's that's a great question. I do remember that conversation. Um, you know, I've been I've been in I've been in cybersecurity or information security, whatever you want to call it, for for long enough to to have seen the evolution of our industry, right? And so when I first started, you know, back in the early two thousands, late nineties, whatever, you know, security was definitely you know we were we were the party of no, right? Hey, I want to go do this. No, you can't do that. Hey, I want to connect these two systems. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. And so for a long time, what that, what that, what happened was then people started going around security because we were just seen as a roadblock. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because really up until like the last at least 10 years from my experience, maybe a little bit longer, you know, we've, we've shifted the conversation to just that it's about risk management, right? It's about, it's about reducing, recognizing and reducing the risk to a tolerable level. Now, no, everyone knows we can't, we can't. It's very difficult to to have zero risk in any endeavor, you know whether that's whether that's business related, whether that's personal, whatever. Right? Zero risk is is impossible, virtually impossible. And so I think again, as a, as a as an industry, as individuals, we've gotten a lot better at at going to those. You know, I'll speak from from a business perspective at going to those meetings and continually reminding people that you know the business runs not just because we're making a dollar. Right, the business runs because we're also saving a ton of money, and that's kind of where I see cybersecurity. Right, we're not. I'm not in the 
you know, I, I don't work on a, in, in a, for a software company, right? We're not a, I, I work at a vehicle manufacturing, right? We make, we make our battery operated, a uh, battery electric. So my cost center, my team, right? I'm not adding a dollar to the bottom line necessarily, but what I am doing is reducing our ability or reducing our risk of not losing a dollar every day. Right. And that's kind of how I see it. Right. So, so what I've been, what I've been trying to do and, and I need to get better at it. I think, I think everyone in this space needs to get better at it, you know, is really sort of being able to contextualize cybersecurity to business terms. Right. I mean, always hear that it's far easier to, to speak in business language than it is in IT language, you know, and, and quite honestly, I think that that's, that's an unfair thing to say that, you know, everyone in cyber, everyone in IT just automatically needs to be able to speak business language. I think the smart business people, right, the smart C-suite, they, they are starting to lean into IT a little more and they're starting to lean into security a little more and they're getting a little bit smarter, which is great. Um, you know, but, but the truth is I do need to be able to articulate it in a manner that, that speaks to, you know, cost savings, uh, increased market share, um, you know, competitor advantage, uh, risk reputation. And so, so what I've been trying to do and what I, what I want my team to do again is, is to be able to, to, to pick out, you know, how, why is, for an example, you know, why, why is a, a fish, a potential fish, you know, why is that a risk, right? What happens to that? And being able to take a very sort of complex nebulous thing and, and reduce it, you know, to, if I was, if I was going to create a, a PowerPoint presentation, you know, no more than, you know, a half that slide needs to be able, I need to be able to articulate why a fish, one single fish might be, a, a impose a huge risk to our company. And so that's, you know, that's something that we're learning. I think as a, as an industry, we're getting a little better at it. Um, I've had the fortune of, of working with some, some young individuals who are going through their undergrad and, and their graduate degrees in cybersecurity specifically. And, and risk is really being hammered now. It's, it's, there's, there's whole sections about governance, about risk, about tolerances. Um, so, so we're definitely headed in the right direction. I want to dwell a little bit more on the saving a dollar, right? Not making a dollar, saving a dollar. So, you know, I'm sure you've done business cases and I've done quite a few in my lifetime, right? And I, and I still remember at least in Australia and other parts of the world where I worked in Asia and others, uh, when you write a business case, the first option is do nothing, right? There's just keep status quo, right? So then you have a second option and a third option, and then you have a recommended option of one of those three or four options you have, right? And I still remember doing this, you know, this, this perceived expense, right? Because cyber is seen as, oh, I'm spending this money because I may get hacked or because I may get fined or, or, you know, or I'll have to make a payout to the bank because there was credit card loss or I had to pay, make a, so this is a perceived risk, right? You know, to some degree there is a, so, so what, what, what concepts have you used to demonstrate the actual, so when, when the person who, who holds the treasury, you know, mostly it's the CFO, before he signs off, you know, what, what, what are the magic words or numbers you put in front of him <laughs> to say, yeah, okay, you know, I approve the budget. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. So right. Everything, you know, everything IT related, we, we need that. We need to have some sort of ROI calculation, right? 
which which can get difficult when you're when you're just in the when you're just in the business of saving. Um, so you know what I like to do is I like to leverage, you know, I like to leverage my cyber insurance company. I like to leverage organizations like Gartner or something like that or Accenture, you know, one of those big guys. Uh, you know, having conversations with you, you know, people who are in, in the industry, because you know that that risk of a of a payout that's a real thing, right? That's a real tangible thing. We've got evidence after evidence after evidence of, you know, such and such company got ransomware and it cost them um, you know, when it, when it, when it comes to things like that, that are a little bit intangible, right. It's a little bit of a, of a guess, you know, but then I just, I just go to for industry standards um, and, and try to find the best statistics that I can. Right. Luckily, no, I would, I've not, I've not experienced a, a newsworthy breach in any of my organizations that I was, that I've been in. Right. So I haven't gone through sort of the, those calculations from a, you know, from a firsthand experience. Um, so, so again, I'm going to have to leverage you know, these companies that are, that are, that's their sole purpose in life is to. Yeah. I, I've used the Poneman Institute's reports, right. Which says, you know, the average cost of a bridge is 3 million or 4 million. I think this year it's jumped up to 4 million. And, I like a specific number they use. They say for every record you lose, so let's say name, date of birth, or credit card details, or whatever, every line of record you use, mm-hmm. they say the average cost per record is, you know, I think from memory it used to be 150 to 250 US dollars per record, right? And then I would do a simple math saying, okay, you have how many customer data data points do you have? This client say, okay, I've got 1 million records. So I say, if you lose 10% of that 1 million and you multiply that by $150, that is your cost of a data breach, yeah. which could be, you know, already run into millions. And then defining that $150 as, you know, it's it's paying customers back money, class action, suits, public relationship, communication with media, you know, uh, remediating your, the vulnerabilities, all this models yeah. up to that number, right? hundred. They break it down to what does it cost per record. That's some, 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 some numbers I've used. And sometimes I've seen some companies that say, "Oh, don't worry about it. We got to do this." And then suddenly money comes from everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and, and you yeah. know, we spoke about it. The moment a breach happens, nobody's looking at ROHs or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, money comes from. God knows where, like suddenly the approvals happen overnight and then suddenly you're flooded with budgets to, you know, fix. Yeah. And I still remember when, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. I still remember Equifax when they had the breach, you know, I've heard stories of, you know, like they have three socks now, right? One yeah. chucking over the other and stuff like that. Yeah. Just, you know. I read that they, yeah, I read that they spent about a billion dollars over like however many years. On their cybersecurity, in that breach, that's that's quite new. That's but um, you know one of one of the things I've been uh, I've been also doing is I've been partnering with my HR folks, and I'm getting you know I'm getting generalized um, salary bands, and so I'm starting to equate. I'm trying to start putting in how much is it going to cost just from from non-work production. Uh, it's we have a manufacturing plant, so that's a little bit easier to sort of gauge, right? I find 
if my plant is down, well, okay, it's X times dollar amount per employee. That's cool. When you get into, you know, when you get into the corporate world, it's a little bit different. Like I can still work without a network, but I can't do everything. So it gets a little bit nebulous there, but so I'm trying to work with HR to figure out sort of uh, a standard mathematical calculation to add into as well, because I, well, I still the cost of lost business and lost manufacturing time or lost production time. But that's a very important point. A lot of businesses see, I think the challenge is, you know, businesses don't realize the value of data. Mm -hmm. Now, when they don't understand the value of data, the next thing is, you know, so I've, I've had CXOs tell me, oh, we, if we had a breach, we can still operate. I'm like, sure, but how? Oh, you know, we, we just use our mobile phones. Yeah, so, and they, we're, uh, and this, this example was a manufacturing and, and I'm like, what, can you define what you mean by a breach? Oh, you know, if you have a phishing email, I'm like, oh, no. what if you had a ransomware attack and all your data was encrypted, all your systems were encrypted, could you operate your business? Right. And I think the answer was still yes in that instance. And it's like, we have some C-level execs are still saying this is not my problem i'm a very low risk business you know hackers don't are not interested in me and i think that misconception you know has to change over time otherwise we will always be floating in this space that you know you know i'm too small and I, I, i'm least you know least of a target right hey yeah um, so that's something you know i've seen quite a bit happen in the market too yeah, no. but I like your example of you know production time lost. That is a very powerful matrix, even though if it not be as accurate as you can imagine it to be. Sure. But you know, and I'm sure production plants will be using a lot of robotic equipment and stuff. And all that is back connected back to your network and your IoT devices and stuff. If they stop operating, how will it impact the business, right? You know, and that's something you need to consider. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, you know, whatever, wherever I can find what I think will be a valuable metric, uh, well, you know, I'll do that. And, and I also don't, I also don't have the stats, right? Meaning I don't want to get in the game of, of fear and I don't want to get in the game of just scaring you, right? I, that's, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sell you on needing security because you're scared. I want to sell you on security because it's, because it's good for the business, right? It, it's good for the company growth. It's good for, you know, all the things that we talk about. Um, and so I don't, you know, if, if it's, if I think, you know, if I think this is only going to cost us X hundreds of thousands of dollars, then I'm going to say that, right? I'm not going to have that to go, oh, this might be a $3 million loss when in reality it's bringing You know, I, I think that some, I think that's happened in the past, you know, like we're trying to, we exaggerate to try to move the needle. I think that that's being disingenuous and, and I don't want to, I wouldn't be part of that myself. Uh, you know, I'm not saying everyone's doing that. I'm just saying I, you know, we need to be as factual as possible because if you think about all business cases, whether it's, whether it's marketing, you know, bringing a business case to senior leadership or whether it's HR, you know, they need to be pretty crystal clear, right? They need to be pretty on point with their numbers and their figures and all that stuff. And so why wouldn't security be held? that same standard. And I think that that actually, you know, that level of transparency when I'm, when I'm talking about those things, I think people appreciate that. You know, they, they don't think I'm trying to, you know, just, just like I said, pad my stats, just to, just to move the needle. Um, 
you know, if, if the, at the end of the day, right at the end of the day, it is a, it is a risk calculation. Um, and it's not for me as the head of information security to blindly accept risk on behalf of the entire corporation. Not correct. That's not my job, right? My job is to, to represent those risks and say, this is what we can do. And if we don't, you know, to your point, I do nothing recommendation yeah. one, two, and three, um, you know, and if they don't want to do any of those, they want to do nothing. Sign here, please. You know, if you yeah. give up, it's hard to get that signature, but, but that's how it should work. Right. And, and, and so I, I, I think that, I think that again, the industry is changing where that realization is, is, is known a little more. Right. I, I think, you know, I think you could look back, you know, again, maybe in the 2010s or something and you, you saw CISOs getting fired left and right for, for any sort of breach. And that's slowed down a little bit, right? I mean, unless there's something egregious sort of mistake that's slowed down because, because people are understanding that this is a shared responsibility, right? I may be TAF, I may be the head of information security, but 100%, this is a shared responsibility. I'm just about to ask you that question. I ran a poll yesterday on, it's still live, so feel free to jump in and then put your word. So I ran a poll yesterday saying, I've seen a lot of videos on cyber is everyone's responsibility. Literally, the word is everyone, and I've seen videos, posts on LinkedIn, and I'm like, but nobody's talking about who's accountable. Right. You can't have everyone accountable and responsible, right. because right. then the finger pointing will come at you. But there's always needs to be, so I give options, CIO, CISO, CEO, and board. I give four options, right? You know, and I've, 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 I would like to get your thoughts on it while I, I'll pull up the post so we can have a look at what the current stats looks like yeah. on, on that. Yeah. What, I, I, actually, I did see your, I did see it and I, and I participated. Oh, didn't you? Uh, sorry. I did. I did. No, it's okay. It's okay. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to talk about that. So, you know, from, from my perspective, I think it's the board's response. I think that the board who's accountable. Um, because, and I say that because they're the ones that ultimately control the money. They're ultimately the ones that control the now the CEO obviously has a big say in that. Um, I think, I think this, I think the CIO, I think, and you're in this list, I think this is a good list by the way. Uh, I think the CIO really doesn't, shouldn't bear much responsibility unless it's, you know, unless it's easily, unless it could be easily proven that that CIO specifically said to the CISO or whatever, no, you can't do that. But see, responsibility can lie. See, the question is who's accountable. I don't try to use accountable. Right. Responsibility will lie across all levels, oh. including, you know, the receptionist, for example, because, you know, if, if he or she at the reception clicks on a link, you know, that could cause a phishing event, right? So everyone is responsible. But my question is, who's yeah. actually accountable to these guys, right? Who's the ultimate, where does the buck stop? That's what is, is the powerful question we have to ask. Yeah. And I, again, I, I, I voted for board. I do believe in the board because, you know, ultimately they have the power of the purse. Um, and so again, I can make the most intelligent, articulate argument for why I need to spend X number of dollars to reduce the risk to an acceptable level. And they could say, that's not, that's not important this quarter. That's not important this year. Uh, you know, and, and, and they might have a very good reason, right? I'm not justifying their reasons, 
Yeah, so they could accept them, as you said, they could accept the risk. I've been in meetings where you've done a penetration testing, risk assessment, vulnerability assessment, we've done red teaming and we've shown all the risk. And sometimes the business says, yep, that's fine, but we're going to accept that risk and we'll carry it. You may have some mitigative measures for it or, you know, some compensating controls, but we're not going to spend, you know, a million dollars in a biometric, you know, check-in, check-out system or, or, you know, access control, right? We'll have a, we'll have a manual register where we'll, we'll make sure people sign in and sign up, right? You could have a control. See, this is where I tell clients, you you could go get a million dollars access control with privileged access and identity access and all this complex solutions, but do you really need that, right? You know, or can you do with some other kind of a control and still meet that requirement? And and for a small business, they may not need to invest in a complex solution, but for a large business, they will need because, like, you know, if like your business is over a thousand staff, you know, how do you manage, you know, who is coming in, coming out, who is in, inside your network, who is at your perimeter, who's coming in as a third party. So you you would probably need some some motivation and some level of sophistication, right? Yeah. So I think this is where the industry is confused. They think our cyber is expensive. Yeah, but you need to know where to spend that money, right? And how exactly. to allocate those funds. Right. No, that's exactly true, right? I don't, I, you don't need to spend a million dollars to solve a you know, $500,000 problem, right? That, that doesn't make sense from a business case. And and so that that sort of gets back to, you know, one of my earlier, I think my job too is also, you know, I, in not trying to scare everyone, I need to understand, I need to put some sort of dollar amount to that risk so that I can say, okay, this is why I want to spend X dollars to reduce this this risk, right? Uh, again, I don't want to spend a million dollars to solve a thousand dollar problem, um, which is which is a little bit different approach. Uh, and maybe I'm going off topic a little bit, but it's a little bit of different approach to when I was in active duty Air Force. Right, the 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 level of risk acceptance is very low in certain circumstances, where it does justify the spend for a very low culpability. Right, but in the business world. That's a legitimate concern, right? If if it's got a low probability of happening, even though it might have a very high magnitude of effect, okay, let's let's accept that risk and move on, right? And and if it happens, it happens, and we'll figure it out. You know, I think people in, in cybersecurity need to get a little bit better about that. I think part of it we take it a little bit personal. You know, I recommend this whole slew of tools, and we're going to be high speed and automated everywhere, and. You know, it only costs ten million bucks, and then they go no, and we're like, they don't, they don't, they don't like, they don't value my my judgment. Right, they don't like approval at all. I know I, I have been across certain scenarios like that where, like sometimes it, it impacts me too. Like we we are trying to do the best to help our customers too, and sometimes we say, well, it's going to cost you X, and then like, oh, this is all you know. Just, just a vendor trying to make money, kind of thing, right? And I'm like, it's yeah. You, you can have your opinion, and if there's someone else willing to do it for a cheaper price, fine. But yeah. ultimately, it's going to cost you something. And we talk from obviously from our experience, and others have. A, it's like you know, a doctor tells me, "Oh, you've got cancer, and you need to get operated." I, I know a number of people who have chosen not to get operated, right? and they have recovered. 
through alternative medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and some unfortunately didn't recover, right? You know, and and it's it's it's. Do you have the skill, the time, uh, the the patience to learn and understand and do it over time? And do you have the time to actually do it uh, and not get breached or not get not lose customers? We've seen clients lose customers because they chose different alternate methods, which unfortunately didn't work right for them. So, right. Wonderful. Any last thoughts for for our audience, Frank? You know, what do you see as the future? You know, what is twenty twenty three? In fact, you you are our first person we are interviewing for twenty twenty three. So, so that's a good start. Yeah, so, so anything for twenty twenty three? Any forecast or anything you want to share? Yeah, I would. I would. I would remind anybody who's in this space. You know whether whether you've been in a long time like we have or you're coming new to the space you know we need to get better about representing security as a journey right and and that might sound again to you and i as sort of like yeah of course you know but but people don't understand that right and people don't understand that security even though 95 percent of the time it falls in the it team right the overall it team it operations and security you know, like for example, you know, you could have a, you could be rolling out some system in IT operations. You got a definitive start and a definitive end. Be cool. It took ten months, whatever. You know, but in security, it's a never-ending journey, right? Because even if I, even if we got all these tools in place, it's great. The threat landscape changes. Something new comes on board. And so, you know, I think just as an industry, again, we just need to get a little bit better about keeping that at the forefront of our conversations, you know, reminding the C-level folks, hey, we're never going to stop trying to get better at security. And unfortunately, it, it, it's got a cost, right? And eventually the cost will come down and level off a little bit, of course, but but there's always some sort of something new. There's some other threat that we just didn't know about this year, but new for next year. We don't have any tools in place. We don't have any, you know, any FTE in place that understand this. So, so that's one thing I would say. You know, and then another thing I would say is that, you know, just sometimes cybersecurity is, is a difficult field for people because there's no, you know, to my first point, there's no definitive end, right? How do you, how do you define success at the end of the day? How do I go home feeling great about what I did today? Uh, you know, and I, I would just say to people, find that, find whatever that means for you. you now, whether it's, you know, how many alerts you, you, you you addressed today or, or how many, how many meetings you're on or whatever, um, find something that makes you happy about your accomplishments for the day, because it sometimes can be pretty difficult. We're constantly fighting fires or we're constantly fighting the bad guys because the wave doesn't stop. Um, you know, we just need to feel a little better. You're doing a good job. People don't say that enough with security, right? Like I was like, Oh, you didn't get breached today. Congratulations said no one ever i've never heard that in 23 <laughs> years 25 years right like hey good job not getting breached um so you know that's my two party and, I, and if you get breached then it's like all hell breaks loose you know what have you been doing all these years? what have you been doing <laughs> yeah. i was spending all this money what are you doing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, somebody got to the side door which was not monitored and you didn't give us budget to monitor the side door right. Or, or nobody told us there was a side door. Right? <laughs> no IT, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Frank, I, I 
wholeheartedly thank you for making time uh, through your busy schedule. I know you you've got a big big limit uh, ahead of you in this role, and uh, it's been a pleasure knowing you and and then you know wish you all the best for 2023. And yeah, uh, happy to keep in touch. And Arya will let you know when this recording goes live. And and yeah, thank you, thank you for your time. I wish you all thank the best. Yes, thank you for having me. I-